Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. When I was a little kid in the 1980s in Poland during communism, I could not buy anything like readily available. So there were those catalogs where you could see like the latest technology, etc. And I was like, I wish I could click on it and magically would appear at my door. I did not invent e-commerce, but I just had that sense. It's like, how can I actually bring it closer to consumers? Because, you know, fundamentally what e-commerce is, is shortening the time between desire and delight. All of us in this first mover space, whether we volunteered, voluntold, jumped off a cliff and took the risk, or just got forced into it and then adopted it, we've all been brave ahead of our time leading change when some of us were told personally that we've made the wrong decision. Welcome to today's episode of Brave Commerce. I'm Rachel Tippograph, the founder and CEO of Micmac. I'm Sarah Hofstetter, president of Profitero. And this is a show that talks about what's relevant in e-commerce for the world's biggest brands. Sarah, how many customers do you speak to per day? I look at my to-do list. I don't know, like probably seven or eight. It's a lot. It's a big part of my job. And there are parts of your job and your day where you feel like you're giving fuel to others and you're filling up their tank. I find when I talk to customers, it actually fills my tank. So I don't know. How about you? You know, I think in the early days, it was close to 100% of my time. But as Micmac scales on any given day, I'm probably spending 25 to 40% of my day connecting with customers. It's weird because I remember when one of the things that I hated, and obviously you're in a different job than I am, but one of the things I hated about when I was CEO at 360i, because I'm no longer a CEO, I'm just a number two. The thing I hated was how little time I was spending with clients because I was running the P&L and I was you know, spending more time on finance and headcounts and, and I wasn't client-centric as I could be. So I can imagine that's very challenging for you in the CEO role to balance that because I see you with clients and you are like at your finest. No, I love it. You know, I always tell this to my team, but at someday I might put myself in a different role at Micmac because I think, you know, we only benefit if I'm playing to my strengths. But with all that being said, what I try to coach my team on, and I know you think this way, I always explain to them, it's our job to be an investigative journalist. You should be asking more questions than you are talking because that is the fastest way to learn. Our customers are the experts in the industry, and it's our job to do pattern recognition. So then when they come to us 
and they ask us, hey, what are you seeing in the ecosystem? You have a thousand data points to pull from. Rachel, I got to tell you, I think I'm going to be sharing this episode with all my employees because I think that's so much better than the kind of coaching I'd be giving my team. (laughs) But it's interesting because like the roles that you and I have are similar in that we are the outside in with our clients. So almost we play a role of connector. We also play a role of while we're not necessarily as experts in the companies that we work with, we get the benefit of the seeing the totality of not just the ecosystem, but how different companies are organized. And the podcast gives us this great purview to be more of an investigative journalist. Mm-hmm. I know you were once clients when you were at the gap. Like, how do you people always say, is it better to be client side or partner side? What's your take on this? Well, what I would say is I think it's an amazing opportunity to work for global brands because you actually have a platform to meet as many people in the business ecosystem as humanly possible. Because if you have a big name attached to you, anyone will take a meeting with you. And that's what I did at Gap. I took advantage of that name and I met as many people as I possibly could in the industry. And that's really how I learned. And so when I talk with marketers within these large organizations, I do ask them, how much time do you spend connecting with external people? And when they tell me very little, I encourage them that the next time that we chat, that they tell me that they spend 15% of every week connecting with outsiders. That's such a great piece of advice. And a little self-serving, but I'll take it. Oh, but you're absolutely right. It's not just connecting with us. There are plenty of other people to meet. (laughs) Disagree. Disagree. (laughs) But I think that there's certainly something to that because there's only so much you can get within your four walls. It applies to all of us. We have to look outside, all of us. And it's interesting as we spoke with Chris and Oscar at First Mover, mm-hmm. those were guys that were on the inside. They worked at like almost every CPG there is between the two of them and said, you know what? We think we could do a better job outside in than inside out. So it was interesting to hear them flip the script on why they did what they did versus why we did what we did. Yeah. And I, I love their mission. You know, they want to train all of us for the future. And we are living in the craziest time for talent ever talent is in the driver's seat and it's our job as leaders to keep investing in our key talent to make sure that they want to grow their careers with us and that's chris and oscar's mission so what a great time to bring them onto the show now we said for the world's biggest brands but i think between the two of you you have worked for all of the world's biggest brands what is it kimberly clark mondelez kellogg's racket let's just kind of set the stage here guys what's the common theme that you've seen across like all these big companies, and why you're not there anymore? That is an awesome question. And we say this with the utmost humility and respect for the fact that organizations are very, very large aircraft carriers that are very difficult to turn, even when they know they need to turn. But what we see a lot is arguably behavior that doesn't seem in the direction of the change that the industry is clearly moving, that the shopper is clearly moving. And they get held back. And because they're so big, they don't necessarily fall immediately. So then they don't learn as quickly. And then some of the same behaviors keep perpetuating and you don't learn from your mistakes. And that's where it gets dangerous because over time, those companies, they may fall. And, you know, obviously when giants fall, you do hear a thud. And so we don't want that to be true. I love that as the company mission. If that is your mission statement. Avoid the thud. Yeah. That might be the new one or Oscar will nix this one from me. But we've said our mission is nobly to leave no leader behind the digital commerce curve. Now that's today, the change curve. But 
obviously in the future it'll be the metaverse or something else. So we first mover is here for whatever change is facing the CPG industry. Wait a second. So digital commerce is just the first chapter of this change management initiative you, you gents are on? Exactly. Listen, I'm already working on phase two, which is growing food in space. <laughs> That's why on LinkedIn, it says future space farmer. To go back to your questions, like why we are not at CPGs, right? A lot of it is like, I'm a futurist. I believe in kind of talking about the future, speculating about the future, working towards the future. But for a lot of CPG slow moving ships, what we are talking to them is basically like a foreign language. For a while, I thought, you know, I'm originally from Poland. It's like, maybe it's my accent. People just don't get how I'm saying things. But I realized it's the problem is what I'm talking about is the problem. I'm talking about terraforming Mars and we are here on Earth and people just like, eh, it's one bridge too far. So that's a little bit of a challenge. But for me, that's kind of what drove me. When I was a little kid in the 1980s in Poland during communism, I could not buy anything like readily available. So there were those catalogs where you could see like the latest technology, etc. And I was like, I wish I could click on it and magically it would appear at my door. I did not invent e-commerce, but I just had that sense. It's like, how can I actually bring it closer to consumers? Because, you know, fundamentally what e-commerce is, is shortening the time between desire and delight. So what Chris and I are spending on is like, hey, what's next? And how do we tell that story within large CPGs so we can actually change their behavior? Because a lot of the e-commerce leaders, when they come into the organization, I always say it's like after six, 12 months, they lose new car smell. You know, the same new ideas, you know, they come in and they, you know, talk about something new, exciting, and people eventually just go back to their own behavior. It's like, no, you know, that's great. They lose their focus and they lose their impact. And I think that's what a lot of e-commerce leaders are actually staying at the job for 12, 18 months. And, and they become excellent at adapting to new companies and integrating themselves for the net, you know, first 16 to 12 months. But for us, that's not fun. That's tiring. I mean, how many times you can join a new company? Let's stay on Earth for a moment together. So here we are. We're on planet Earth. It's called CPG World. What's the population struggling with? You guys are having conversations with CPG brands day in and day out. If you had to bucket some key themes, what are the themes that they're struggling with today in 2022? We love the Darwin quote, which seems cliche, but you know, it's not the smartest or fastest is those most responsive to change, but you actually have to be aware of change and name it and be able to articulate it and train the trainer on change before you respond to change. We've got silo behavior that is not just the global, but functional. And it's not even just function at who owns the money, right? Like when you think of retail media and national media, so you've got these turf wars going on with silos, a lot of times driven by ego or anxiety over losing power. That's not to be mean, but it's just a reality. But you've got risk aversion. You've got the one that Oscar and I see the most. And this is the part where sometimes we feel for our fellow CPG e-com leaders because they kind of get stuck in bureaucracy. So it's just this, and we've seen this. I mean, this doesn't sound new, but like people are figuring out like, okay, I'm in a swamp. So I'm going to just figure out how to adapt to the swamp. The swamp isn't effective. And over time, I get okay with the swamp. You shouldn't be okay with the swamp, right? We get exhausted. So we stop fighting the fight. And then some of us go on to some other company to do it again. But then we run into the same thing. We're like, we can't break the swamp. We suck as an industry at telling the story. We are really bad storytellers. That's why we are very ineffective within those large organizations. Because we need to tell a story 
in an organization that is conditioned to be silo by nature, because people think if you have 10,000 employees, 10,000 employees cannot work together. How do we condition ourselves to work together to actually tackle some of those big issues? So we can actually say, it's like, hey, you might have great ROAS, but guess what? If your content sucks, it's going to be ineffective, right? You might have the wrong price park architecture. You might have the completely no visibility to what's going on in 3P. Like, look at it holistically. What would it take to make this e-commerce business as efficient as possible? When we're talking to the retailer people, they think e-commerce is a flavor, like it's an add-on, but not necessarily they can see the world where e-commerce would be the only thing that would be happening. And because of that, they don't treat it as seriously as they could have been treated if there would be a world where e-commerce would completely replace retail. Let's unpack the talent code, if you will, because I think a lot of what you guys are getting to is that the hard and soft skills necessary for an e-commerce, digital commerce, omni-channel, whatever the hell you want to call it, leader, today is very different than it might have been two, three, five years ago. So now we're almost two years since that shopping behavior like skyrocketed. As we look at it today, if you could pick three most important hard or soft skills needed today, what would they be? Each of you gets one and then you'll have to fight for the third. (laughs) Oscar, why don't you start? I would take effective storyteller any day. The people that I actually like the most is that maybe started their digital career in search then they went into social, then they went into digital media, and now they are doing commerce. Because somebody that actually is able to sell this at different stages of history, when it's important, that's an effective storyteller for me and a change agent. I would take that person any day over anybody else because I would know it's like they know to be a first mover. They know how to adapt and being able to effectively influence that organization. That is a fantastic one. But the other one, Hands down, every single time I've ever done an interview, I was looking for visible, tangible, and and, and it's partly my personality, but they didn't have to be extroverts. I just wanted to see, even in a room of one-to-one, that you care about something. Like, I know that sounds like silly. Like, we all care about people and things, but like, people have different motivations and you don't have to only focus on work, but like, care about something 5% more than everyone else and you'll do better at it, I promise. And things will happen. Like, like magic will happen if you care. You don't even have to be the smartest person. I wasn't the smartest person. I just did all my homework in school. It led to being top of the class. Ah, you see, that's where I went wrong. I was the smartest person. I didn't do any of my homework. And I'm just sitting there wondering, why did I not graduate high school? Wherever you apply yourself, all of us in this first mover space, whether we volunteered, voluntold, jumped off a cliff and took the risk or just got forced into it and then adopted it. We've all been brave ahead of our time leading change when some of us were told personally that we've made the wrong decision, that we've gone the wrong direction, that it was never going to, we're going to, how are we ever going to get back into brand or into a real sales leadership role when this thing, this niche thing is going to be like, isn't going to pan out. And it never didn't pan out because like your gut knew it and you cared and you tried You even cared about it before you were accountable. And so I do think that's like the entrepreneur, entrepreneur, which again, sounds like a macro thing to ask for, but like somebody who can own something without even being asked to own it, 
when they officially own it, they can be even more powerful, like in their role and productive. But imagine somebody who took on a challenge and was brave in commerce ahead of the curve without being asked. And then, you know, and that's, that's where you see some of the best leaders in our space today are the ones who in some area, e-commerce being an easy one, jumped ahead of everyone to like grab something that everybody else was like too risk averse to take on. Look at them now. They're like leading entire divisions and businesses and likely prone to be chief officers of the future. And we've got storyteller, entrepreneur, entrepreneur. We've got the third. I'll tell you the third one. It's very simple. I lost five years of my life trying to be the next Mark Zuckerberg and build another Facebook. What's being really at the moment that undervalue is building up. Not everybody has to be the idea person. There are some people that can actually take somebody's idea and make it better. Because, you know, like we are building on the shoulders of the giants and it's okay because that's a human nature. If it wasn't for, you know, Tesla, then Elon Musk, you know, would not be inspired to create this. I mean, everything is a chain. Like humanity by itself is a chain of improvement and sometimes slow and steady and being, and being okay. It's like, Hey, I may not be in encyclopedias as the person. I might not have a monument, like stepping from the pedestal and saying, it's like, I can make a difference differently right? By incrementally adding to ideas, you know, you know, tweaking them, making them better, but like slow and steady every month, every day, just keep on going forward. That's something that is really overlooked. Uh, and collectively as a, as a kind of community, we can actually drive change forward doing that. And it's okay. And, you know, it, we don't have to be the flashiest. We don't have to be inventing internet like Al Gore. It's okay. We need to find our rhythm and we need to find how we're going to actually contribute to this broader space. And, and that's why I think it's completely undermined that I'll take anybody that say, you know what, I'm just going to take this small thing and make it better. And I'm going to think about it as what's the step, you know, two and three. And you know what, tomorrow I might get inspired by a great speaker and actually come up with something else. I love people who can actually iterate. We're at the point where we got to ask our famous last question. And so we're asking it to both of you. And so what's the bravest thing that both of you have ever done? In short, this may not sound crazy brave, but I was the first child of my family's generation who have a legacy of leading our family's 100-year-old business, going to the same school, not like doing it the same way just to do it the same way, but like for, for tradition. And I didn't feel that doing that would allow me to earn my way. I felt like it would have just been like, well, he's, he's going to because he's in line to. And I wanted to show my family and myself that I could earn my way. And so I, I chose as the, as the one that was supposed to, arguably, I went my own way, different school, different career, different path. And I've been able to contribute back to my family's business and family. But I personally think it allowed everyone else to choose to go that same direction if they wanted to or go the family one. And that way they didn't feel pressured. That doesn't sound like that brave, but I had to break with tradition to create new traditions. It's definitely brave, especially at a young age. And Oscar? For me, my entire life has been about letting go and letting just sometimes go with the flow. And this is like, you know, with my son, he's right now 11. It's just like, I was always worried too much. And I was like, you know, just life has its own force. And I honestly believe is that what we need to do is we need to like democratize knowledge so more people can actually have access to those opportunities that we all do. And then whatever the, the, if they take, will take them, it's fine. Just let, just let it go and being okay with not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Fundamentally, letting go of certainty because life is uncertain. That's what keeps me with e-commerce. 
and digital commerce and first mover, right? Because I don't know what tomorrow is going to happen. Something, something's going to happen, right? But I know I just got to jump in with two feet. And, and I know how Chris is wired. If Chris is scared of Oculus Quest and Metaverse, I'll just basically play off FOMO and send him the headset and say, hey, look at this. I'm inside the Metaverse and you are actually on the screen of the Zoom call on my wall. You know, why don't you come in? So for me, it's just like, it's it's really my whole existence is about freedom and allowing people to actually have more freedom, more choices, you know, with the knowledge that we are actually providing, you know, with the programs we are driving. It's like, because we want to not have be stuck in the same life over and over. We don't want to have a Groundhog Day moment. We want to actually let go of things so we can actually really, truly innovate our thinking and, you know, see where the path's going to take it. Well, I have a feeling that uncertainty is going to breed more business for first movers. So you guys are in a great position. And thank you so much for you know sharing all the knowledge that you're seeing across the ecosystem. Thank you both for having us. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening. Please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Spotify and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to share this link with a friend. Hey there, are you ready to elevate your personal brand or company? Meet Viral Growth, your one-stop shop for video content and audience building. Imagine growing your brand organically on social media without the hassle of editing videos for hours. With Viral Growth, it's a breeze. They handle the brainstorming, scripting, and editing while you simply just hit record. And don't worry about your niche. They cater to everyone, from business and marketing to health and wellness. Are you ready to make waves in the social media realm? Visit viralgrowth.io and use code ADWEEK, that's A-D-W-E-E-K, all lowercase, and get 10% off your plan. Hi, I'm Jackie Cooper, Global Chief Brand Officer at Edelman and the host of Touch of Truth, a new podcast launching on the Adweek Podcast Network. My dad gave me this incredibly smart piece of advice, meet everyone once. As a result, I've met some of the most fascinating and inspiring people on the planet. Now on Touch of Truth, we're coming center stage and sharing the mic to experience stories of truth, insights and visions for the future that will challenge your way of thinking. Touch of Truth is available wherever you listen to podcast new episodes come out every tuesday i do hope to see you there